Uninvisible is a support podcast that provides information, ideas, suggestions, and experiences that deal squarely with medical issues that present unique advocacy issues for individuals. We do not provide medical advice of any kind. We do provide support, concepts, ideas, discussions, and information you can use to make sure that you are being heard and that your concerns are being addressed. Please consult with your physician for any medical issue that you are facing, but we will be here for you along your journey. We welcome all comments about our episodes and, of course, the correction of any errors. Information and comments that you send to us are governed by our Terms of Service and Privacy Policy, which are available on our website, located at www.uninvisiblepod.com. The opinions expressed by guests are their own and are not necessarily the opinion of Uninvisible or the show sponsors. Most of all, we welcome your stories and experiences to share with our community, because without you, this community and the benefit it offers all of us would not exist. Any advertising that you may hear is accepted without regard to our editorial content. Of course, in the event that you are having a medical emergency of any kind, consult your physician or emergency services. Welcome to Uninvisible. I'm your host, Lauren Friedman, and I'm here with my guests to bring you info, insights, and inspiration for coping with, diagnosing, and treating invisible illness. We're here oversharing, so you don't have to struggle with invisibility anymore. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am joined today by Brendan Lundberg, who is the president, CEO, and founder of Radiant Health in Portland, Oregon, and elsewhere. You've got more than two, more than one center now, I believe. Um, so you can tell us all about that. So, um, Brendan, why don't you tell us um, about what you do at Radiant Health and what sets you apart from practitioners out there, in particular, who are dealing with chronic pain? Yeah, thank you. Honored to be here and to, to share our message. So um, we have a we have we're building clinics called Radiant Pain Relief Centers, and centers is spelled the British way because I like it. I think it's C N T R E S. But Radiant Pain Relief Centers, and we have the mission to change the way that chronic pain is understood and how it's treated, and to advance a therapy that's based upon the most recent understanding of pain and chronic pain in particular. So, which is all about the brain. So I'm excited to talk about what we do, but yeah, we're, we're, um, we're delivering a therapy and um, an education and an experience that is highly empowering to clients and that is literally changing lives and saving lives. And most of our clients have been in chronic pain for years or decades. They've tried everything. And in many cases, they really have. In most cases, they've tried a lot of things and they come to us typically in high levels of pain but also very complicated because they've been hurting. So they've been moving less. They've probably gained weight. Their sleep has been chronically disrupted. They have, um, you know, withdrawn from the activities and the relationships that bring them joy. And, you know, many times the medications that they're prescribed to manage their pain actually make these things worse. And, you know, to be able to see them, you know, unbundle this complicated mess as we help them feel better uh, is a really awesome thing to be a part of. So well, happy tell us to be about the technology that you're using at the pain relief centers and how that works. Yeah. Well, the first, the important thing to, I think, first understand is that pain, even though we feel it in our bodies and the tissue in our back and our hips and our knees and our hands, wherever we're feeling the pain, all pain is neurogenic, meaning that it's coming from the brain and it's experienced in, in the tissue. And, um, you know, that runs a little bit counterintuitive to how we experience it and probably how we've been taught and even how many clinicians have been taught. Most doctors are trained in pain science from the 1960s, and they really, frankly, lag behind in understanding the most recent advances in understanding pain. So if pain comes from the brain, chronic pain is actually a problem of the brain, not a problem of the tissue in many cases. And in fact, there are studies that show a high percentage of people who have no pain, you know, they're asymptomatic. But if you, if you uh, image them under MRI, you find a presentation of arthritis, herniated disc, torn meniscus, you know, a variety of tissue pathology that should warrant pain in our minds, but it doesn't really, right? There's, they don't know it. And conversely, you could take a thousand pain sufferers, image them under where, you know, where they say their body is hurting and you, you don't find a correlated presentation of tissue abnormality. So there's actually a disconnect, which is the, the most important thing to understand. And many of our clients who come to us in chronic pain say, my doctors have told me they've done all they can do. They don't know why I'm still hurting. You know, there's this implication that it's in my head, I've made it up or that I'm a drug seeker or something like that. And it's not true. I mean, pain is a, a very real thing, but its origin is not what we experience it to be in the tissue. It's coming from the brain. 
Mm-hmm. And in the short term, it, it, it's a protective function. If you have your hand on the hot stove, if you've broken a bone, if you have cancer growing in your tissue, you want to feel pain because it gets your attention yeah. more than anything else, right? It says, hey, pay attention here. Something's not right. Stop doing this. Avoid doing this. Learn from this. And then, you know, seek, seek care if you need it and let it heal. And the body should heal and normalize typically in a matter of months. So we define chronic pain as pain that's growing in presence longer than is appropriate. You know, typically that's at least three to six months, but in most of our clients' cases, it's years. Or it's growing disproportionate to a cause, or in some cases, no clear cause, like fibromyalgia, for example, is a case in which this happens. So understanding the science, instead of trying to fix it at the tissue site or mask it at the tissue site or give somebody a drug, which changes the entire chemistry of the body and results in side effects and this whole opioid addiction epidemic that we're now facing. I'm going to ask you about, so. <laughs> yeah, well, we can talk about it, but you yeah. know, we, we use a, a very novel FDA clear technology that lets us retrain the brain through artificial nerve impulses. It's really remarkable. And the way it works is we attach electrodes on the skin in proximity to where the pain is being experienced in the body, but actually in tissue that's healthy, so not painful. We turn it on and it transmits these artificial nerve impulses that basically tell the brain or tell the nervous system no pain. Yeah. It's sent through the periphery, the ner- you know, peripheral nerves of the body up through the central nervous system and into the brain. The brain receives this and it almost immediately begins to ease the pain experience in the body. And the messaging coming out of the technology is dynamic and changing. So the brain is forced to work to interpret what's happening. If the message was unchanging, in time, the brain would probably, you know, say, hey, background noise, I've heard this before, and kind of start to ignore it. But because it's changing, the brain is forced to work to understand it, to interpret it, and try to make sense of it. And that causes what's called a neuroplastic change or neuroplasticity, the brain's ability to learn. So essentially, you know, in the first session, which we give for free, we can typically make a noticeable improvement in the pain. And then over a series of treatments, most of the time uh, daily for a few weeks, we can retrain the brain, just like learning how to speak Spanish or how to ride a bicycle through repetition and exposure. Wow. So how many uh, treatments do patients typically end up having? And and how long a period of time are they sort of in and out of care with you as an outpatient procedure? Yeah. Well, we're uh, again, we're, we're building clinics so that we can create a, a highly refined care experience and business structure really to support this therapy exclusively. And so we've really taken that into account on in what we've modeled. But um, the process is variable depending on the person, the type of pain, the severity of pain, and the location of the body. But it's typically a, a process that's borne out over a few weeks. And over those few weeks of daily sessions, each session is about an hour. We can, uh, and it's Monday through Friday in most cases, weekends off. So over two or three weeks, we average an 84% reduction in pain. On that's the, It's unbelievable. It's life-changing. It really is, yeah. I mean, we've had, we've had clients in such severe pain that, for example – one guy I think about all the time, he chose after about a decade of failed therapies, you know, drugs and physical rehabs and injections and more drugs. In fact, he got addicted to opioids. He tried a spinal cord stimulator. None of these things resolved his pain. And so he was so fed up. He went to his doctors and he elected to have his leg amputated. He's like, I can't deal with this pain, chop my leg off. Hopefully I'll at least have a better quality of life with less pain, even though I'm missing my leg. And so they did, they amputate his leg and it doesn't resolve the pain. It becomes basically phantom pain. Which, and, yeah, you hear about that, especially yeah. veterans coming back from the war where they totally. have their PTSD and they're feeling a phantom pain and a limb no longer there. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and really chronic, all chronic pain is kind of like phantom pain because it's existing kind of regardless of what's going on in the tissue. The phantom pain is very clear to understand that it's not a tissue problem because the tissue is gone. So it's, there's no nerves left in that part of the body. So anyway, this poor guy, you know, was essentially suicidal at this point because like, what do you do at that point? You've had your leg amputated and you're still in excruciating pain. So fortunately he didn't take his life. We were able to treat him and um, on our website, clients can see a news clip about him in which he tells a very emotional story about being able to play with his grandkids and live a normal life. Yeah. So tell me now when people are are getting these treatments and they're having them over a series of weeks, Mm -hmm. is it creating a permanent um, pain reduction or do they need to sort of top up? Time. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yes, I would say semi-permanent again, because the, we're getting more to the root of the problem, which is the brain and we're restoring the brain. We're actually letting the brain and the body go through its own natural healing. You know, we're not, you know, I think it's arrogant to say it's our therapy that's changing it. We're the conduit by which that's happening, but all healing is 
endogenous. All healing happens from the body inside, not from some medication or something, right? So, uh, you know, we're getting more to the root of the problem, but it is a process. And so we sell our therapy on an annual membership because that allows us, even though they're in there every day in the first few weeks, it allows us to push the cost out over the whole year of time, mm-hmm. making it more affordable. And then they can come in for boosters, what we call boosters, like a refresher course to reinforce the neuroplastic change of the brain, which is often necessary. And you can think about this, like if you study Spanish, but you never practice Spanish, inevitably you'll start to forget it. So the brain will kind of deviate back to what, it, you know, we, there's, you probably heard this term, what we, what we fire, we wire. So the, the more things that we practice and do and, re, you know, repeat, those become, you know, kind of grooves in our brain, if you will, or patterns in our brain. And that becomes the, the dominant. So it, it sometimes takes a lot of time to unbundle this. And pain is frankly very complicated. When you understand the most recent pain science, it's not just injury, cause and effect, very clear, black and white. It's multifactorial. And so there could be lots of reasons why the pain does come back at, you know, uh, you know, autoimmune disease being one of them for sure. Well, and it's interesting because, um, a lot of the practitioners who come on the show talk about how, you know, we're not always looking or we're never really looking at cause and effect. It's always a multi-system approach that you have to take to full health and to wellness and to getting better. Um, and you know, there is the bandaid of something like an opiate, which for some people really works and we can't knock it. But um, by the same token, this is this treatment you're doing called scrambler therapy, if I'm correct, right? That's what it's known. Of, yeah, that's what it's known in the, in the medical literature. It's an unfortunate name, not one I would have picked. It was named by its Italian inventor, and I don't think he I think it's something that was lost in translation because people think they're getting their, you know, like a lobotomy. <laughs> yeah. Although it actually makes sense though, because I don't know when I heard the name, I thought, oh yeah, because it's scrambling. It's just you know, fixing a couple pathways in your brain. Yeah. Well, the reason it's called that is because again, the messaging is dynamic. So it's sent, it's scrambled, resent, scrambled, resent. So the brain is always kind of flooded with novel information, which causes the brain to have to work and which causes the neuroplastic change. So it's not that we're causing the brain to get scrambled. We're causing the signal to get scrambled, which causes the brain to have to react to that is really what's happening. But again, it's not a, not an, not a a very flattering name. So we typically just talk about radiant therapy or, you know, our approach. Yeah. Right. Now, um, can you talk a little bit and address the, um, the, your response to the opioid crisis? Because this is one that comes up a lot as well. You know, yeah. there are people who have chronic pain in the invisible illness world who um, some of them are responding to opiates and others aren't. Sure. Um, and I'd love to get your take on the crisis that, that has developed um, yeah. and your response to it in the work that you do. Sure. Well, first, I would say both as a pain sufferer and somebody who has devoted my career and spends you know time every day with chronic pain sufferers, I never fault anybody for doing anything they can do to try to feel better. You and I spoke off air too. My wife had dealt with uh, an invisible illness with Hashimoto's disease and chronic illness, chronic inflammatory response syndrome for over a decade. And you know, I I, I never fault anybody for just doing anything they can to try to manage manage the circumstance of what they're dealing with. I mean, I, my heart goes out to everybody that's dealing with these types of things. So I, I, I want to be clear. No, I, I place no blame on anybody, but yeah. the, the science has really changed. And I think it's really important to understand this because when we go through our process with our clients, there's, there's uh, a level of education and empowerment that comes from that where they no longer feel hopeless. They no longer feel like I'm, I can only use an opioid to manage my pain, or I can only do this or nothing's worked. Why is that? Like there's a level of in, internal hope that begins to be rekindled and empowerment that happens when somebody gets educated about these things. And, you know, when it comes to the opioids, they are in most cases very, very effective, mm. right? But we think about our caveman ancestors and when they hurt, they would drink alcohol or they would take probably opium or some other plant-based, um, you know, analgesic <laughs> biochemical approach. And yeah. industry has kind of been born out of that. And those things are so effective in the short term that they've really mitigated the necessity to understand pain at a deeper level. And it hasn't really been until the last 10 years we go, holy cow, we got hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who were addicted to these things. We got in in 2017, 72,000 people died in the United States of opioid overdoses. Mm -hmm. I mean, these things are, are again, effective at masking the problem, but not really, frankly, solving the problem, you know, the band-aid rather than a band-aid. Yeah. Right. So again, I think, I think I understand why people, a, seek it because they just want to feel better. They want to be able to at least try to function through the day as best they can. I understand how it's happened from a business standpoint because it's low cost to produce them. They're replicable. They work most of the time effectively in most people, you know, so insurance chooses to endorse something like that. Doctors are trained in 
again, pain science from the 1960s in biochemistry, and then they've been a product of the, of the marketing functions of these businesses, just like we have at a consumer level. And so here we are thinking that that's the course of action that's the most effective. But you also hear stories of people that say, I was cured through meditation or chiropractic care, acupuncture or lasers or diet or you know a variety of different things. And when you understand the neuroscience of pain, you can understand, okay, anything that's helping the, the nervous system and the brain to kind of calm down and to relax will have a, have a pain reductive property to it, you know? And so I think it's all good. And what we see with our clients is when they get educated about this and get empowered, through our therapy, we're able to reduce the urgency of pain very quickly, very effectively, very consistently and safely. Mm-hmm. We get people, help them get off the medications and then they become empowered of their own to say, I want to eat better. I want to move better. I want to address my sleep. I want to change my environment. I want to replug back into activities and relationships that bring me joy and make me feel connected. And then you see a whole kind of spiraling up of healing versus the cascade of decline that they've been in typically for years prior. Yeah. Now you mentioned that you're a pain sufferer yourself, and I'd love to hear um, a little bit more about your story and if that's what brought you to um, the the therapies that you're using now with your clients. Yeah. Um, you also wrote a book about uh, pain as well, haven't you? So tell us a little bit about how you yeah. came to all of this and what your background is. Yeah, I'm a pain sufferer. I've had low back pain since I was a teenager, and it was always a little bit inexplicable. Um, I grew up around primarily allopathic medicine. Uh, my dad was the CEO of hospitals as a kid. So, you know, had a lot of doctor friends in the house and, you know, around that type of approach. And then I had an uncle that was a chiropractor. So I kind of saw both sides of it and I would get regular chiropractic adjustments because it was on the house, you know, family discount free adjustments. And I always loved him and I still have a, a, a warm spot in my heart for chiropractic care and, you know, something in my family and I choose to do pretty regularly as well as acupuncture and a lot of other things. But, um, you know, I started radiant. I, I am a pain sufferer. So that gave me some insight. I started radiant primarily, to be honest, because I saw a business opportunity to deliver a therapy in a more effective way. And but that why has really shifted for me over those last several years of doing it. When you see people who take such drastic measures as to cut their leg off or have contemplated suicide, get their life back. Like it, the, the why for me is so much, so much bigger. I mean, it's almost crass to think about this being a business because it's really life changing for people. Yeah. But so I've had this low back pain and, you know, I'd go to get adjustments and they always felt good and they helped relieve kind of the, the discomfort short term. Um, but it never fully resolved it. And I remember my uncle saying, well, it looks like your hips are a little bit misaligned. Maybe you have some scoliosis or one leg is longer than the other. Um, into my early twenties, my younger sister became a licensed massage therapist and she became an instructor at the massage therapy school that she, um, went through. And, um, was, is a great massage therapist. And she did something called structural integration on me, which is like fascial release, like really deep, uncomfortable massage, not a, not a pleasurable massage. But I remember her commenting too, that my hips looked like they were kind of rotating. I'm like, well, why is that? Scoliosis. I mean, that was kind of the common thing. Like your, your spine is creating this curvature. Right. So at some point in my twenties and then into my thirties, I just kind of kept living my life. But you know, when it would get worse or better, I would talk to pain doctors and orthopedic doctors And, you know, they always, everybody approaches it from their level of training and their level of insight. And again, I think people are well-intentioned, but they look, everybody looks at it a little bit myopically based upon how they've been educated, right? So the pain doctors say, well, let's give you some pain meds. Let's mask the problem. If it gets worse, we can do injections. Eventually, maybe we need to go in there. If there's disc degeneration or, you know, you know, abnormal structures to the tissue, we can go in there and carve it up and try to help help straighten it. The orthopedic guys kind of same basic approach. Here's some pain meds. At some point, maybe we'd go in there and put in rods in your back to keep your back nice and straight so the scoliosis doesn't advance further or whatever. Fortunately for me, I didn't do those things because they're pretty drastic. Mm. And then, you know, I just kind of live my life. Flash forward, starting Radiant, you know, having gone through the treatment myself, I, I developed at some point sciatica pain down my right leg and into my oh, groin. Of course. <laughs> Yes. Pretty uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been gone for three years. That hasn't come back at all in three years. Having gone through therapy on yourself. Yes. Yeah. Well, I had a technician treat me. I didn't do it myself. (laughs) I should hope so. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then, um, and then the mechanical pain that I've had in my low back has been significantly reduced. In fact, it never probably spikes more than a two, maybe a three, but typically it's even not even there. And I've really learned, like if I stay active and I keep moving and I mind my diet and lots of other things, I keep it pretty well under control. But the question has always been like, why do I have this problem? Why did I develop it at such a young age? Mm -hmm. So in understanding the nervous system, and this is something that I think is really, really fascinating myself. I kind of geek out about it. 
is that the nervous system's primary job is to keep us alive. Like that is its number one function is to keep us alive. And so that means it's going to, it's going to pay attention to the things that are threats to its ability to keep us alive. And to do that, a, it records or remembers those things probably from the time that we're in utero, you know, as we're been conceived and we're in the womb, you know, environmental toxins and threats could be probably part of that. And then throughout, you know, our adult our growing life and into adulthood, but the, the nervous system, its functions are vision to see the landscape, to know that we're safe. The organs of the inner ear that are what's called the vestibular system that keep us balanced and being able to move agilely in our environment, the touching feeling senses. So we know this is hot or this is cold or this is sharp or this is dull, you know, all those inputs. And then what's called proprioception, which is our orientation in space so that we know where we are in space, right? So all of those things are working so that the brain gets information to know, okay, Mr. Human or Mrs. Human, we're able to keep you safe. Mm. What we find happens for almost all of our chronic pain sufferers is there begins to develop some level of disconnect between one of those sensory systems and the brain. It's not capturing the information correctly or transmitting it correctly or the brain's not interpreting it correctly. And what happens, it then becomes kind of a void. It becomes kind of like a spot in which the brain's going, I'm not getting the information to know how best to keep you alive and to keep you safe. Mm -hmm. And again, phantom pain is a great way to understand this. We used to think phantom pain happens because the nerves are cut and that's why the, you know, the trauma to the, to the tissue is what's causing the phantom pain. Well, it certainly caused pain in the short term, but tissue heals and nerves heal. So the reason that we now understand from the neuroscience of pain, the reason that somebody has phantom pain is not because they used to have a foot and they don't anymore and the tissue's been cut. It's because they have a brain that wants to get information from that foot to say, I know you're standing on stable ground. Your foot is not stuck in an ice box and you're not getting you know, frostbite or you're caught in a bear trap or something else like that. It wants to get that information. And so when it's not getting that information, the nervous system creates this pain experience that gets our attention more than anything else mm-hmm. so that hopefully we can help give the brain the information it needs so that it can keep us safe. Mm-hmm. Does, that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I'm just wondering, you know, it brings up the question for me of if we're retraining the brain um, with the therapies that you use at Radiant Pain Relief Centers, you're retraining the brain um, to recognize something that it had previously recognized as pain as not pain. Um, Is there a risk factor there that... that it would stop recognizing pain if there were actually like if someone held a hot poker to that area of tissue, would you still register that pain? Or is it just local to the pains that are being experienced at any given time? Yeah, great question. So again, understand that chronic pain is really a dysfunction. It's a, it's a protective function that's become maladaptive. Mm-hmm. So we're really just restoring it back to normal. We don't make people superhuman. We can't have them crash through walls and not feel pain or go play in the NFL and, you know, be unstoppable. <laughs> You know, it's really more of a normalization. In fact, we have a lot of clients that come in maybe with a diabetic neuropathy and they have pain, but they also simultaneously have a numbness associated to that condition. Mm. And it's, and even the numbness in most cases normalizes. And so it becomes more normal sensory experience versus, again, a, a disconnect. In my case, and I've known this for a very long time, and I don't know if it's because of eye infections, I wear contacts and glasses before that or a head trauma from skateboarding or sports or something. But I walk around all the time with my right eye kind of disconnected from the world. If I go to the eye doctor, I see just fine out of both eyes. But because my right eye is not really focusing like it's supposed to, my nervous system perceives that as a vulnerability. And it says, look, if the woolly mammoth was to come out of the bushes and attack you, Brendan, you're more vulnerable on your right side. So we're going to keep you safe by creating a very subtle physiologic shift in your in your posture so that your head is tilted and your left eye is positioned to be a little bit more dominant on the landscape that gives the brain a level of security because now it's seeing the landscape more fully you know accounting for my right eye that's not doing its job Mm. well that very subtle adjustment is very subtle but it creates compensation that has to happen throughout my spine so that i can keep walking forward otherwise i'm going to be veering to my right or walking in circles right (laughs) so the the kind of the fulcrum or the the focal point of where this is you know, impacts is the low back. And it is this reason, not because I have scoliosis. I mean, it's almost like an adaptation in terms of the adjustment in the physiology, because my right eye is not doing its job. And so what we do in radiant is treat people through our therapy, we get them out of the urgency of pain, we help walk through some very simple and safe assessments that help identify what may be an underlying neurologic deficiency, and then give some very simple 
um, kind of prescriptive type of um, drills, we call them basically drills, that help rehab that area of the body or that nervous system dysfunction so that what, if the right eye starts focusing and balancing out and seeing the world more evenly with my left, then my head doesn't have to tilt anymore. I just it, And the physiology, of course, corrects itself and the pain goes away. Wow. It's, it's pretty remarkable. And so almost inevitably, there's some sort of like, you know, this hand hurts, but it also feels different to the touch in this hand. And we can help rehab the sensory inputs through a variety of different assessments and drills. That's amazing. So you really yeah. are working with each patient as an individual um, and not sort of using protocols that are standard. You know, you're really looking at each person's pain individually and, and treating from there. A hundred percent. Yeah. Now, are there side effects to this work as well? Or is it just a really amazing, you know, therapy that doesn't have any side effects? Yeah, uh, well, it is that. And it sounds too good to be true. And part of the reason this hasn't taken off more prominently in, in you know, the medical establishment is because doctors are trained in pain science from the 1960s. Right. The therapies that are out there are limited and they, they know that. And, you know, to say that there's a therapy that's this effective, you know, they can have an 80 plus percent reduction in pain on average. And over 90% of our clients conclude at zero or one, two or three. So mild level of pain, you know, there's some exceptions to that. Wow. What's that? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, and because what we're doing is not, we're not inducing any foreign chemicals into the body. We're not, you know, giving an injection of anything. It's like the body's own healing process is taking place. We're just giving the brain new information so that it can make a better, healthier kind of determination about its safety. The, uh, there are no side effects to it. In fact, you know, it's, it, if there's this, uh, let's say this, if there's a side effect short term is that people feel sleepy because the brain is like going back to school. So like it's working really hard to learn all this stuff. Yeah. yeah so, but, but people typically like that because they haven't been sleeping good because of the pain or because of medications or both. And it becomes a, you know, if you've had sleep dis- disruption or chronic sleep deprivation, you know that it just makes everything else worse. So getting restorative sleep is so beneficial to a variety of things. So yeah, yeah, that's amazing. This episode is sponsored by Ember Wave, the intelligent bracelet that helps control how you experience temperature. I'm heat sensitive because of my Hashimoto's and medications, and this device has been a lifesaver. Using patented technology, it cools or warms the temperature-sensitive skin on your wrist, creating a natural response in your body and mind that helps you thermally adjust in minutes. The Wave was selected by Time Magazine as one of 2018's best inventions. But because the technology is new, it can be pricey. So for those of you with mounting medical costs to consider, the team at Ember offer a payment plan in partnership with a firm. And because you also listen to Uninvisible, they're offering you $30 off. Go to emberlabs.com, that's E-M-B-R-Labs.com, enter code INVISIBLE at checkout, and experience personal thermal wellness on a whole new level with me. Now, I mean, it's sort of my journalistic duty to ask. Um, yeah. Do you have an occurrence of hypochondria or hypochondria at your pain relief centers? You know, do you have people coming in saying, I think I have pain, but they're not sure? Or is it more, I mean, it sounds like largely your clients are people who are coming to you because they've tried everything else, as you mentioned. Yeah, that, well, that's definitely true. But so pain, <laughs> pain is probably the single most human common denominator. There's not a single person that's ever lived on earth that hasn't experienced pain, right? It's part of our human. And I would even say maybe it's part of the reason that we have this human experience, whether it's from a, some deity or it's just a genetic, you know, or just a biologic, you know, we're evolutionarily here, but you know, pain is a teacher and in the short term, having the hand on the hot stove, it's teaching us very clearly. Don't put your hand on hot stoves going forward because it's going to hurt. Right. I mean, there's some level of clarity to that, but chronic pain becomes less clear. But it also becomes very complicated because it does impact every aspect of somebody's life. When someone has lived in chronic pain for so long, they're less likely to be plugged into the things that really make them the best of who they're capable to be, you know, whether it's relationships or work or, you know, activity levels or function or anything, right? And so at some point for some people, that begins to, they begin to correlate their identity to that pain. And they, in some cases, use that pain as a reason to not face other circumstances in their life that probably need to be addressed. And I'm not here to place any sort of judgment upon that. But at the same time, like we have a priority to help the people that want to be helped the most. So we've modeled our business by, we give the first treatment for free. We spend over two hours with each client at no cost, zero cost. And we, it, yeah. But, but we ask them to identify what is your definition of success? What is your why? Who needs you to show up? Why do you need to get out of pain now? Like, why is this a priority? Because if, if you can't... There's a logical element at play here as well. 
Well, there is for sure because because it's it's brain, and you know when I say brain, I don't want to I don't want to imply that it's made up because it's a very real physiologic experience happening in the body. It is driven by the brain, but it's driven by the more primitive brain, like the the you know brainstem, the ancestral or reptilian brain, the limbic brain, and then you know we have a frontal, a more modern brain, or frontal brain, our frontal cortex is like for a higher reasoning and thinking. When someone has been in chronic pain, those older, more primitive functions of the brain become more dominant in the function of the brain. And that's why meditation does work to get people out of pain. The, the problem is it's just a slower, longer process. But having a psychological component, realizing there is a psychological component and having somebody choosing to want to get better for a very specific reason accelerates the process by which they get better. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And in that case, I think you're really looking at people not as hypochondriacs at all not at all no taking their pain seriously and, and wanting to treat the root cause yeah i mean pain pain is very real and the, the problem is that because doctors can't see it on an mri machine and they go we don't know miss jones why you're hurting anymore we've done all we can do we've given you four backs or whatever it is you know you know inevitably most of our clients have been made at some point along their care journey to have felt like they made it up like it's in their in their mind, not in their brain, but in their mind, like they've made it up or they're a drug seeker or they just don't want to have to go back to work or whatever it might be. And we're saying, no, that's not the reality. Like we, we hear you. We know that you have a real pain experience and we want to help you get better, but you need to first tell us like, why, what is your motivation? And then as we explain it, like when we go through the process of explaining our therapy, talking to them about their definition of success, what pain has cost them, and then, and then educate them about this neuroscience of pain, almost all the time there's tears of joy because it's like, Oh my gosh, like there's a chance I could feel better. There's an explanation as to why I felt like my body's been been betraying me for the last five, 10 years or whatever. And, you know, to see people get their lives back, that is my, that is my why, as I mentioned earlier, and it's a beautiful thing to be a part of. That's really, really gorgeous. Now, are you finding that there are uh, particular illnesses um, or conditions that, people are coming to you with more frequently than others? Like are a large portion of your patients living with fibromyalgia or um, CRPS or what do you see most common yeah. in your practice? We really see it all, to be honest. And the commonality is the brain. So we're frankly, we're quite effective at almost all types of chronic pain. There's a few exceptions and there's a few what we call contraindications or disqualifiers. Like we won't treat a woman that's pregnant. And, you know, and, and frankly, it would probably be safe. We just never want to even perceive that we put mom or baby at risk. So we don't, we just have a hard line, no pregnant mothers. Uh, we don't typically treat temporary temporary. Yes. In fact, we, we've had clients. Yeah, absolutely. We've had clients that have come to us with fibromyalgia or some other pain condition and they're concerned because they want to start a family or have another child, but they're concerned about being on these medications. And so we're able to help them get off of those medications through having a safer, more effective therapy. Then they can conceive and have babies. And if they need to come back after that, they can do that. And that's happened on a number of occasions, but oh, how wonderful. yeah, yes. so no, no pregnancy, no implanted device, like a pacemaker, generally speaking, right. uh, because we don't want to disrupt that and put somebody's life at risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, it's pretty much universally safe. Um, we've learned that multiple sclerosis and the pain associated to it can be very difficult in part because when somebody has MS, it's actually the nerve fibers themselves that, that become, yeah. you know, lesioned or yeah, demyelinated. And, and so the, the stimulus of our therapy can actually increase the pain for them. And that's not what we want to do. We want to obviously avoid that, but you know, and there's varying degrees, but it's almost every other type of pain. We can typically make a pretty significant reduction in. Wow. That's, it's just, I mean, when you hear things like this and you hear that it is too good to be true, but there's a reason that so many people haven't necessarily been exposed to these new newer ways of thinking, you know, in the quote unquote alternative health um, arena. And I mean, I, a lot of it is connected to where the money flows, isn't it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. But in terms of the opioid crisis, a lot of it is connected to the fact that there are large pharmaceutical companies who are making money off of it, you know? Yeah. And I mean, of course in doctors' pockets and things like that. So it's really great to hear that there are people like you who are advocating for an alternative to that. Well, it's a, it's a lonely road. I mean, when you're, when, when the world has been promoted as being flat forever and you're saying, no, it's actually round, like 
you know, you're a heretic until people really realize that you have something that's kind of special here. And I, you know, and I don't want to throw people under the bus because I think especially physicians, most physicians, most clinicians are well-intentioned. The problem is they're just not educated about this. And so, and, and they're so busy and they have the realities of their clinical realities that they have to deal with. It's like, I only have five minutes to spend with you, Mr. and Mrs. Patient. What's the fastest thing I can do? And it typically it's writing a prescription, right? And so, but, but because, um, because of the opioid addiction, in the news now, I mean, you can Google and look at this. Many states are suing the drug manufacturers. Mm. And in that are, is being disclosed internal memos that those companies did know the reality of the addictive nature of these drugs and they were lying about it. And so that's unfortunate. I don't think the doctors in most cases really realized what was happening. Yeah. They were just trying to serve and help the patients have the best quality of life. But it is time. I mean, it's clear it's time for a, a better, safer solution. Yeah, I think actually 60 Minutes did a really wonderful piece on on the opioid crisis um, and, and really like exposing a lot of these drug companies for being responsible parties and yeah. yeah. how it has rolled out. Um, now, how do you, I mean, you were saying that you spend two hours with a new patient um, mm-hmm. in their first appointment. Um, so in, in doing that and then taking the time with them and, you know, understanding that like so many of these people who have chronic pain and live with invisible illness have been shuttled from specialist to specialist to specialist and they come to you and they're exhausted and they're yep. desperate. Um, aside from spending the time with them, how else are you addressing that need for a better bedside manner? And are you offering special training to the people who are working within your clinics? Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. That with the patients? Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, our whole entire care model was built around delivering this therapy in the most effective and appealing and consistent way. You know, if you think about from a, just I'll step back from a business standpoint, if you think about any successful business, it doesn't matter what the business is, a product or a service, a high price point or a low price point, the underlying fundamental key to success is one thing, it's consistency. And, you know, you can take, for example, two, two retailers, Walmart on one side, Nordstrom on the other side. They're both very successful retailers. They sell very different products, very different price points. The shopping environment is very different. The experience is very different, but they are consistent in delivering to that customer what the customer expects. The Nordstrom customer, you know, isn't expecting, you know, a Walmart price point at Nordstrom. They're expecting a Nordstrom price point and a Nordstrom level of, you know, quality and experience and service and vice versa. And so, you know, understanding that we had to deliver consistency and, you know, excellence, frankly, consistently um, made us say we have to look at this business structure a little bit differently. And then because it's not covered by insurance and because, frankly, there's been so much snake oil, if you will, and there's a real tendency to dismiss our therapy because it sounds too good to be true as snake oil, uh, we work really hard to create a pricing structure that's, frankly, very, very affordable and very fair and, um, you know, and that we invest a fair amount on the front side, like the two hours of time that we spend with each client before we ask them to write a check to us so that we can make sure that they feel like they're really getting a lot of value in that. And then that puts the responsibility on us to make sure that we operate a business that can work within that pricing structure and still be profitable to, you know, to us as a company and return back to our investors. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the cost of healthcare in most circumstances and hospitals in particular, it's become so contorted and inflated, it's impossible to operate a new therapy like this without a high reimbursement from insurance. And that's just not viable for this product at this time. Well, I mean, and that that leads me to, you know, the the structure of the U.S. healthcare system as it is right now. Is it something that, that you'd like to see a therapy like this being more widely accepted by larger medical establishments so that it could be something that people could get covered on insurance? And would you like to see the system change in favor of these more, um, I don't want to say experimental because it's not experimental. You've been working on it for years, but you know, these, these more considered alternative quote unquote alternative therapies. Absolutely. Yeah. And and how would you see that change happening? Well, we, uh, we, I mean, if we're honest about it, we don't have a healthcare system. We have a sick care system and that sick care system makes a lot of money, frankly, on keeping people fairly sick. And, you know, if you're, if you're crushing an automobile accident and you need your body repaired, we have remarkable solutions for that. Like our ability to treat acute trauma unparalleled in any place in the world, or certainly in history of time. 
However, when it comes to chronic diseases and particularly invisible diseases, like as you talk about here on your podcast, we've done a pretty miserable job at understanding them and addressing them in a very effective way. And our, our current system is not set up to ever accommodate that or to be really, frankly, to be very proactive at being preventative. It's just not set up to do that. And so I don't, you know, I'm not smart enough to know what the solution is to change that. And so what we've made the decision to do at Radiant is to say, how can we control our controllables the best that we can? And that has been to say, instead of trying to sell this into an existing healthcare world that's fairly fragmented and broken and driven by economic incentives that aren't necessarily serving the client or that would make this very effective, let's operate outside of that confine. And so we're building clinics that allow us to create a higher level of experience and efficiencies and care like we talked about mm-hmm. and to make pricing that works for the consumer as well as for the company. And then, and then to create alignment through the rest of the healthcare world by saying instead of selling you a device which costs a lot of money and then you have to, there's an opportunity cost because you've got to figure out how to use it, which means you're spending time doing this versus something else that you might either make more money at or be better at. It allows them to invest and have a passive opportunity to participate in what we do. And, you know, the, the, I think, I think uh, an analog to this is to think about Starbucks. You know, Starbucks has fundamentally shifted and changed society. They changed the way that we value coffee, the way that we experience coffee, how much we consume coffee, how much we pay for coffee, the role it plays in most of our lives. And they didn't do that by selling a better coffee product to the local yeah. diner or cafe. They did it by creating an, these stores, this experience. And that's what we want to do with Brady. We want to create a better healthcare experience. And many clients tell us that even though there's a cost to our therapy, that it's the best investment they ever made, not only in the management of their pain, which is almost hundred percent, but probably 60% say it's in the best investment they've ever made in any sort of healthcare related expenditures. So. Well, and I'll, I'll contribute, uh, you know, with my own experience, I haven't tried um, your therapies myself, but I will say, I mean, when I look at the cost of my healthcare, I mean, I recently did my taxes and looking at the cost of my healthcare over a year um, with the exception of, uh, you know, monthly payments into health insurance, the additional fees that add up, they add up so fast. Sure. sure much to stay well, even if you're insured. Um, and I think ultimately the decision that a lot of us in this invisible illness world are making is that our health is the most important priority in our lives. And if Absolutely. we're going to put money in, it's not going to be a Porsche. It's going to be <laughs> a yeah. pocket that's like a Porsche, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, and really treating our bodies as best we can. And, and that starts with, you know, something as basic as sleep and rest and the food we're putting in our bodies. Totally. But works its way up through all these various therapies, which, you know, I, I, I really respect companies like yours for operating outside of a system um, that's broken, you know, yeah. because if, if, if the system can't be fixed, if we're too far in, then, uh, you know, at a certain point you need to just say, right, in that case, let's not take part in the system, but let's find a way to make it affordable for people, especially people who have high medical bills. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know, um, and yeah. the fact that you're willing to work with patients and, and um, you know, uh, create payment plans from what I understand um, and do things like that is is remarkable because not everyone can afford it. Um, and just finding ways for people to raise money and to, uh, you know, to, to pay things over time and, and make it affordable for them is the best thing that we can possibly do. That's how we help people the most, isn't it? Yeah, totally. And to answer your question that you asked a minute ago, I mean, I do want insurance to cover this. And I think at some point they'll become knocking on our door because it, clearly we're safer, more effective. And we can save those companies a lot of money because we're avoiding a life on drugs. We're avoiding very costly surgeries, you know, and, and it, it's clear it will happen. I have zero doubt about that. But what we see happening right now on a micro level with our clients is, you know, the way that we model the business, the process that we drive our clients through with asking them their why and their definition of success is that they look at this as an investment, not in radiant, but in themselves and in their opportunity to reclaim a life that's been lost because of pain. Mm-hmm. And, and as they make that investment and as they get their health reclaimed, you know, we're, we're only doing pain. That's all we really focus on. But most of our clients end up losing weight. They end up uh, sleeping better. They end up plugging back into relationships and activities and work to make them much more prosperous. And then they become empowered and like, well, man, if I can shift my life so much because of changing my brain and my pain is this much improved, what else can I do? And the pendulum swings, not just back to normalcy, but to the right, you know, further down the road towards a much more empowered, you know, desirous kind of holistic health experience. Yeah, for sure. 
that's and and that kind of joy, which is something that is so easily lost because of either circumstantial or clinical depression that can often set in when when these illnesses are thrust upon us. Yeah, um, you know, is incredible if if you're able to offer that opportunity to people. So I, I just commend you for the work that you're doing. Thanks so much. Yeah, and um, now we've covered so much today, and. Um, and I usually wrap up my episodes with some top three lists. Okay. Um, and I would love to know what top three tips you would offer to someone who might be on their last legs, forgive the pun, but might be on their last legs with, with you know, treatment options that have heretofore been available to them. Yeah. And what you would recommend they do if they're experiencing chronic pain. Yeah. Well, the first is uh, have hope you know, have hope. There are, there are therapies. And, you know, I, I hope that we can be very effective at growing the business and reaching and helping a lot of people. But I'm sure I'm not the only person out there that's trying to be creative and ambitious about how do we approach these, these types of problems. So, you know, whether it's us or somebody else, have hope. There are therapies that are emerging that can help you. You know, having um, been part of my wife's health journey and, and see what, what I see so often with our clients is that when you don't have answers, from your doctors as to why your bodies are acting the way they're acting and you know, the experiences that we're having, you become a seeker, you become your own advocate, you become your own ambassador. You're the one going to your doctor and saying, what about this? I just read this study or this is this something that we should consider and keep doing that because even though that's a lonely place to be like you are your boss, you are the CEO of your body and you don't, just don't just take a recommendation for, from a professional if you don't feel like it's the right thing for you and for your body, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's part, again, part of why we model it to give the first treatment for free. We want people to come in here and have the option to choose to invest in this if they really feel like it's for them. Mm-hmm. If somebody is in pain and they're like, can this, can Radiant help us? You know, we have clients that do fly to us, even though we're only in Portland right now, from across the country, from Canada, from Mexico, from Europe. I mean, people come to us and they get their lives back. Um, obviously it's not as convenient if, as if we're down the street. And so we're working hard to raise money so that we can, you know, yeah. hopefully be everywhere for everybody soon. But, um, I would say that don't give up hope, you know, from, from a business standpoint, one of my favorite quotes that, that has come to, um, come to mean a lot to me. And I think it's very applicable on a health journey is that, um, you know, there's a quote, I think it's Thomas Edison and I'll probably butcher the quote exactly, but essentially the, the gist is, when you think that you've run out of solutions or options, remember this, you haven't. There is always another option. And, you know, what I, what I, what I fear is that people give up hope. And when you give up hope, you just quit trying. And that's not, that's not okay for anybody. You know, I want to see people have hope and be empowered to, you know, try to find something. And in our case, you know, pain obviously is what we do, but. Yeah. And you also mentioned advocacy, you know, like that people are coming with their advocates, right, to, to appointments. I certainly do that. I go to the doctor's office with my advocate, who's my mom, you know, because yep. sometimes when you have all of this thrust upon you, you don't necessarily have the wherewithal to navigate the totally. system. You're having an emotional response and it can be very difficult to to wade through your own emotional response to things and just sort of get on the logic plane with, with doctors and data, you know? So to have someone with you to help you with that, I mean, I imagine that you have patients coming into the clinic with their advocates all the time. We actually almost require it. I mean, if somebody doesn't have one, we understand. And if they can't make it work, we understand, but we, we tell every client, please come with a companion, a spouse, a family member, friend, because you know, what we're doing is there's so much information. We want them to feel like they're capturing that. We want to be able to get insight. And we ask, we ask the client, like, what does pain cost you? What is your definition of success? But we turn to their spouse and ask them the same questions, right? Because it, it has to work together. And because pain, you know, it, it, uh, it, in many cases, it causes us to withdraw from those relationships and those, those, they become strained, they become fragmented. We want to help heal that. And we think that that connection, that reconnection back into the relationships and the circumstances that bring us joy is a super important part of the healing process. Yeah. And do you keep a therapist on staff for those purposes as well? You know, we don't, um, again, because, you know, we've, we've really tried to model this to be as, as efficient as we can to cover as many bases as we can. So we train all of our staff who are typically licensed practical nurses, typically like an LPN or LBN, you know, they're very compassionate anyway, but we train them in the the technical application of the technology and kind of the soft skills of communication because pain is so subjective and so individual and it it encompasses and incorporates so many different aspects of life. But we create, what we ideally create is referral relationships to, to people who are more expert in our market. So someone who's maybe a better, you know, 
counselor or a you know, sleep expert or a nutritional expert mm. or a you know, physical therapist movement expert or you know, something else like that. So that allows us to just be expert at what we are, mm. and that is specifically the pain. But when, it, when they need additional help, be able to create avenues for them to find that. And that keeps the cost lower as well for the... Absolutely, yeah. Dare I ask how much it does cost for the annual membership? Yeah, totally. I have zero zero concern about that because, you know, again, we, we try to make it not only as affordable, but as certainly as valuable. And to see people get their lives back is, for most of our clients, price becomes not even an issue. Yeah. So after we've given the first treatment for free and we explain the process is a process that is one that's borne out over a few weeks and likely they'll need boosters. Yeah. We, sell, we sell it to them on an annual membership so they have access to it throughout the year as they need it. And that membership is $3,500. Okay. And so you divide 3,500 by 365 days, it's about 10 bucks a day. And the, the price can go up if they're a heavier user and we have different structures to that. But you know, it's not uncommon to be right in that price point around 10 bucks a day. And people are spending that on coffees and lattes and, you know, fancy well, you're beers. Spending that on your health insurance. If you've got a, you know, a fairly comprehensive plan, you're spending more than that on your health insurance every year. It's, totally. you know, less. Yeah. So, um, this is more affordable than a lot of people. Yeah. And, yeah. And it, like we have clients that come to us on like Lyrica, for example, or yes. and some of those, some of their out of pocket monthly costs, even with insurance covering is several hundred dollars a month. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I really commend you for everything you're doing. And I, I, I'm so glad we were able to have you on the show today, Brendan. This has been such a, a great chat. And I've learned so much today about oh, thank you. plasticity in the brain. It's so exciting. I love when you said that you geek out over it because I thought to myself, well, <laughs> everyone listening to the show is geeking out about this too, you know? Um, I hope so. Geek out on it. Yeah. Hope, you know, we're at the point in our understanding of the brain that's a new level of understanding. And like, you know, if we think about uh, you know, germs. It was only a few hundred years ago that we, you know, realized, oh, we, we're transmitting germs by not washing our hands before we eat or when we're performing surgery or putting our hands in the mouths of patients and transmitting disease that way. And that, obviously now everybody knows we wash our hands. The surgery centers are very sterile and clean. We, we get it. We're at the point now where we're starting to understand the brain and the mind to the, to its ability to be able to change reality and certainly health reality, but all reality by, by having a healthier brain. And so it's a really exciting part of time and history. And, you know, I look at Radiant as not only really the safest, most consistently effective and appealing solution to this big problem of chronic pain, and that we have the ability to reach a lot of people because there's so much suffering out there. But what we see happen again is that people become empowered. And my hope is that not only do we shift them out of pain, but we help shift society into a higher level of engagement and awareness about their brains. And that leads to a whole level of you know, higher health and communication and connection to everything that makes us the best of being human. Yeah. That's an absolutely gorgeous perspective. And I thank you for sharing that with us because I think it's important for people to hear, you know, there are people who are listening to the show who might be living in chronic pain or living with chronic illness who who've lost that pathway to hope and having that, that excitement um, and having people on the show who are at the forefront or, you know, are pioneers in what they're doing um, as you are, it's really wonderful and reinforces that joy and that excitement. And I really hope that everyone, everyone hears that. Did you hear that guys? Be excited. Yeah, <laughs> yeah hopefully. Yes. We want to help people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Brendan, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to meet you and to hear about everything that you're doing with Radiant Pain Relief Centers. And um, we're obviously going to post all of your information with the episode so people can find you. Um, so if they're local to Portland and the Oregon area, they can easily travel to you. But if they need to travel from out of state or out of country, they'll be able to find you. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been a real honor. It has been. Absolutely. Thank you. That's it, folks. Thanks for listening. As always, please check us out online at uninvisiblepod.com and all over the social media world at uninvisiblepod. We love your feedback and suggestions, so please drop us a line via the website if you have questions, ideas for topics to cover in future episodes, or just want to say hello. We're all about relationships and collaboration here, so credit where credit is due. Music for this episode is by Sean Hart, who can be found at seanhart.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts.